0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I am broadcasting what from what was the isolation station during lockdown. It's now the sanitation station and the recuperation station uh, because I am full of lemsip, paracetamol, ibuprofen, uh, honey, and lemon and all kinds of things that are used to get over a cold, which has just hit me like a ton of bricks over the last two days. Uh, So uh, before we do crack on with today's conversation, which is going to be an epic conversation, we're joined by Angel Castro uh, from Deutsche Telekom. And uh, Angel is going to be talking to us all about uh, Deutsche Telekom's kind of like learning journey that they've been on over the last number of years. They've built a hell of a lot of NLP-based solutions uh, and NLP-based tools uh, over, over the last few years. And uh, we're going to be talking all about those successes and those learnings. So we'll bring Angel on in just a moment. But first, a shout out to Deepgram, our presenting sponsors and Symbol AI. Uh, Symbol AI is a conversational intelligence uh, capability. It's a suite of APIs that allows you to access data within conversations that you really didn't know even existed. You can do a whole range of different things from topic summarization, intent classification, speaker diarization. Uh, You can actually take a conversation and generate a summary of that conversation using the Symbol AI capabilities. You can even build your own agent assist capabilities as well. So if you wanted to build something that can sit and listen to calls with your agent and guide them around next best actions and those kind of things. You can build all of that with Symbol AI. So if you are in the market for uh, some conversational intelligence, you want to see what it's all about, then do visit Symbol.ai. That is S-Y-M-B-L A-I. For those of you tuning in on the podcast, S-Y-M-B-L A-I. Thank you, Symbol, for presenting VUX World. And our next presenting sponsor is Deepgram, which is one of the leading providers of automatic speech recognition technologies out there right now. Uh, organizations all over the world are using Deepgram to power their voice assistants and voice capabilities across a whole range of different channels including the call center which we're going to talk about with Angel today Um, so if you are in the market for some speech recognition that you can retrain based on your specific use case in your industry and your products or services which very few people do and it uh, it pains me to see people using off the shelf solutions and wondering why it doesn't perform as well as it would do if you were to do something different and train it specifically to your use cases so do check out deepgram.com if you want to take your speech recognition to the next level, deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. Uh, We're doing two webinars this month. Uh, One we're doing with Deepgram and that webinar is called the end of can you repeat that? And that is all about how to create truly conversational AI, how to create a voice assistant, voice capability, whether you're building it for a website or an app or a, a device or your call center. How do you create something that is truly authentic, truly natural in the way that it converses with people, something that can actually really understand people uh, of all different languages and accents? And how do you create that experience that is what people expect of conversations. Uh, we're going to be getting into that. We're going to be joined by Scott Stevenson, the CEO of Deepgram and Dion Milson, the CEO of um, Illyrian AI. And we're going to be talking about how you do that. So what I will do is I'll put the uh, link to this in the show notes so that you can, uh, you can join it. I'll put it in LinkedIn if you are tuning in On LinkedIn in the comments there's that one and I will also put it in this chat here if you are tuning in on the YouTube Uh, and if you're on on a podcast you can get that uh, in the show notes as I said or on the website The second one is with audio codes. Now, one of the biggest stumbling blocks of implementing AI services into call centers is the the actual integration part. Getting it actually implemented into your call center is one of the hardest parts. It takes a hell of a lot of heavy lifting to do. So it doesn't really matter how well you build that voice bot. What matters is whether you can actually get it in front of people. And what audio codes have is a very unique solution that will enable you to do just that very simply. Uh, It takes all of the pain and heartache out of integrating voice bots into Call centers, and so we're going to be. I'm going to be speaking at the Audio Calls webinar at the end of this month, uh, and I think you should join us because if you are even remotely interested in putting voice assistant capabilities into call centers, which a growing number of people are, uh, you will definitely benefit from this because it will tell you how to do it. Uh, so please do join us on the 29th of March for that. Now, without further ado, please welcome uh, onto VUX World Angel Mario Castro Martinez of Deutsche Telekom. Angel, welcome.
1: Hi. Thank you, Kane. Uh, thanks for a uh, nice introduction.
0: No problem. No problem. Thanks for joining us. That felt like a bit of a long intro. Apologies for making you wait for so long back there, back, uh, just back there. <laughs> but uh, but we're here now. We're here now. Excited to chat. And uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Then a bit about uh, you've been working at Deutsche Telekom for for quite some time now. You've got a decent amount of experience with speech recognition systems, by the looks of things. I wonder if you can give uh, give our viewers and listeners a bit of a background about yourself and, and what you do at Deutsche Telekom.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So hi, my name is uh, Angel Mario Castell Martinez. I work uh, at Deutsche Telekom for almost five years. Yeah. No, actually five years in January this year. So quite a long time. (laughs) Um, uh, And it it, it feels like yesterday because it's been changing uh, very rapidly. So uh, I I guess that's that's kind of the feeling of the uh, working in a fast, uh, (laughs) fast moving world. Um, Yeah, that's my background. So I um, I started the speech recognition probably as a, a, a project in undergraduate studies, and then ever since I, I fell in love, um, I, I looked for a graduate program. I uh, went to Oldenburg uh, to do my PhD. I mean, I I'm, I'm still haven't defended, but it's uh, it's almost there, so <laughs> fingers crossed. And um, I work uh, um, for a bit at Amazon Alexa in Aachen, and um, and then afterwards I joined uh, Deutsche Telekom. So I've basically been working in, in um uh, most of the conversational AI stack um so uh, speech recognition natural language processing or NLU um um, um dialogue management and, and and speech synthesis so yeah
0: nice uh and what is your role at Broker Telecom then what is it that you do on a, on a daily basis
1: yeah, well, interesting, so currently actually as, a, so my official role is Lead Architect and uh, what that uh, in more pragmatic terms means is I'm all over the place uh, related projects we actually uh, uh, have something to do with this uh, conversational AI, so with my background. Um, so in some of the projects I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, of a technical advisor in, 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 in how to implement best practices for uh, designing digital assistants. And in some others, uh, so so in, in, in the main other big project that I'm uh, um, I'm part of, it's uh, my role as a lead architect was to basically design a conversational platform as a service um, with these modules that I uh, mentioned together with my team, and um, and and yeah, so provided for in, internal and potentially external uh, uh, consumers.
0: Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? I've been looking forward to this conversation because. There's a trend at the moment happening where you've got organizations that have been investing in conversational capabilities uh, internally, excuse me, that are looking to acquire external capabilities to bring in-house. For example, you look at Walmart acquiring Botmock. Walmart have been building things over the last number of years. They acquired Botmock as a way of kind of bringing some outside technology into their stack. So usually what happens is an organization looks out over to acquire technology to bring it inside. Whereas what's happened here in your case sounds like the reverse of that, which is quite unique, which is that technology is being developed inside, presumably for internal use cases, that has got to a point where it's actually ready to be released potentially, as you mentioned, outside. It's quite a unique situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and actually um, part of uh, uh, the blessing in disguise is, is, is this... Um, very strict uh, data privacy uh, rules in, in Germany. I mean, well, in Europe altogether, but particularly in Germany, which um, when I first joined was kind of like, okay, so uh, can we not just uh, uh, get something out of the box, you know, like, like you mentioned uh, with, with some of those providers although uh, I, I, I do uh, understand the trade-off that is not the CCS okay should, should we just take something out of the box or should we just um, customize to, to to our needs right so the, the, there's obviously pros and cons and happy to. Go deeper into those, into this evaluation, and it's uh, far from generic. Um, yeah, with experience, I learned to distrust uh, traditional benchmarks or uh, even uh, sales pitch of "Yeah, we're the best." Of course, who would say they aren't? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess that the bigger uh, uh, pusher for all that was was focusing on 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 data sovereignty for for our customers, and and um, that that has uh, led us through this path of of um, uh, well, some will say reinventing the wheel, but I, I would like to call it kind of like breaking the wheel and starting again. Okay. So,
0: interesting data sovereignty—that's a really good way of thinking about it. So, that was the that was the predominant driver for the for this course of action was it, it was all around data protection and security.
1: Yes, absolutely. So uh, we take a Dutch Telecom almost seriously. Uh, the the previous some um, so we actually. Um, yeah, so in everything they reduced, do, so it's, it's uh, even internally sometimes it's a bit painful to you would expect that uh, as a customer, right? That, that was at least my uh, impression before joining the company. That uh, okay, finally I'm gonna get like tons and tons of data because every time I call Deutsche Telekom, uh, the first thing they ask you is like, "Yeah, can can we record your call uh, for uh, uh, performance uh, uh, purposes?" And I mean, I. I've never that I recall have said no so I thought like okay maybe a lot of people uh, are in the same situation and we'll get just all the data and it's going to be super easy and all rainbows and stuff but no I mean it's super hard getting inside, even inside working at Dutch Telecom getting data and, and it's uh, yeah I mean you wouldn't um, uh, obviously, I don't want to draw comparisons because there's uh, uh, differences all over the place, but uh, at least uh, from the places I've, I've seen work and, and talk to colleagues, it's um, the most, uh, uh, well, the place where they take that, that the most seriously. And, and yeah, you, you see it exactly in the accessibility that we have. Um, we have to uh, follow very strict protocols for uh, how we're we gonna not only access it, but process it. And, and, and how are we gonna make sure that um, that, that data you know, like I, um, personally, I think that it's a little bit, uh, now it's become data with like a, a, a radioactive waste, you know, like it's great for generating something and energy, but then you have to be very, very careful on how do you process storage and eventually even dispose it, right? So uh, in my mind, it's, it's, it's a good analogy.
0: Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And it's it's interesting, Deutsche Telekom, obviously, it's a huge company, lots of different products and services, lots of different divisions of the organization. It reminds me a little bit of, I've done a lot of work with government organizations in the past, and you would have in some government organizations, uh, one department that processes kind of like, you know, Personal information for tax purposes, for argument's sake, and another department that processes personal information for something like passports or parking permitting or something like that. <coughs> Excuse me, those two um, can't really talk together because when you opt in to pay uh, a tax or whatever it might be, that data is confined to that division. And so it's always a historic uh, issue internally is that data exists everywhere, but the privacy policy that's entered into by a customer and the organization restricts that data from even moving out of parts of the organization into other parts of the organization. Is that a similar kind of issue that you've come up against or challenge?
1: Yes, no, absolutely. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. So it's exactly that. So um there's the entity you have to define uh, i mean I've, I've learned quite a lot of legalism in these uh, types of uh, uh yeah uh working with data and, and trying to getting the data actually uh, about what we are able to do and all the promises and all, all the, the the policies that yeah the, the producer of the data the consumer the the, the processor and, and and the levels of responsibility that each of these parts across through groups across organizations and even within the colleagues uh, it's it's um yeah, you have to be very, very aware. So, I mean, uh, we do trainings, like all, uh, I mean, to, to, to my, um, uh, to my knowledge, every employee has to go through these uh, trainings about uh, data privacy and, and the security and all that stuff. Um, even whether they're gonna gonna access data or not, right? So, so at least that they are all aware and that we can um, share a common framework for for why is that so important, right? So, and and um, entering. Uh, so, my my first role was a machine learning engineer when I joined Deutsche Telekom uh, slash data scientist, and it's like uh, you know a data scientist without data is kind of like cutting the wings off of birds. Uh, so, so it, it, it was pretty frustrating at the beginning but uh, later on, after developing like production systems, I came to appreciate and even completely understand why is it uh, so important that, that, that we get that, uh, the, the, the fundamentals first and, and and then yeah we can all um, uh, uh, play around with models and, and stuff but, but the, the basic uh, most important thing is how do we manage and store the data.
0: Mm, mm. I'm liking these analogies so far we've had uh, data within the organisation is like radioactive waste uh, and and lack of access to data for data scientists is like chopping the wings off a bird which is both definitely true and maybe that would be the, the description of this when it goes out it was, uh, incorporating those two, that's good um, so, so what led then to the creation of this platform and, and in fact let's maybe start by talking about what this platform is So, what what is it that Deutsche Telekom has actually built to be able to deliver conversational interactions with customers?
1: Right. I mean, um, so what this platform is it's it's called VoiceCast, by the way. It's um, um, just combining uh, uh, organically different services according to the applications. Right. So if you contrast it with traditional, um, uh, uh, well known. uh, B two C platforms like Siri, Alexa, um, Google Assistant—they are um, functionally, I mean, uh, not not internally probably, but functionally—they they they work as a monolith. Uh, what I mean is that you get voice in and voice out, and uh, the intermediate processes—they uh, uh, sometimes they're abstracted. I mean, I know that there's um, ever increasing uh, tools and and and. and SDKs the case and and whatnot to 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 get as a developer a little bit more of that access of the intermediate stages, particularly for debugging purposes, while um, <clears throat> well, we kind of flipped the script on its head and basically built each service or each each um, um, yeah so we we call it service but not not precisely like a, 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 a microservice in in terms of the architecture but like a, a core service. Um, uh, of, 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 of each of the of the AI capabilities, in this case, the uh, speech recognition, um, and that on its own can perfectly uh, fit just for particular applications, like in the case of websites, we just need a, a light wrapper for uh, just translating into text uh, instead of using the keyboard. Um, uh, so that's that's one of the, the the main drivers, and then organically grow of okay, course do you need the, the text as an output? Yes, okay, so then you just uh, get the transcriber, right? So we call it the, the transcriber. Uh, do you need, uh, if you don't care about the, the 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 text output, but you care about the intention of, of, of the words of the spoken utterance, well, then it's, it concatenates the, the output uh, to the uh, next uh, module, uh, the NLU, uh, without, you um, without have, having to return, right? So, so a lot of, of, of these decentralized uh, applications or, or these um, uh, services, for example, Microsoft that have the cognitive services, it's like, okay, you call the transcriber, then you retrieve the uh, uh, the output, and then you make another call and so on and so forth. And what we designed was a, a platform where you could actually, uh, by design of, of how you registered your application, um, you also register how uh, what kind of output you're interested in. So. If it's just text, if it's the intents and entities, if it's maybe sentiment analysis, if it's uh, uh, voice-to-voice, so so that's kind of all allowed, and, and it sort of uh, grew organically uh, according to the demand, which also was uh, kind of the, the fuel that kept us uh, pumping because it's a constant, um, well, I, want, I don't want to say the word struggle, but it's it's kind of like a, a, a constant challenge to 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 keep uh, validating why is it that that we need to do our own thing, right? Why don't we just use X, Y, and Z, and why are you not compatible with this super beautiful service that is much more performant and whatnot? So so those um, those challenges, I mean, we continue validating them just uh, as we grow in demand organically, and and that um, that's where we found our niche. Our niche, sorry, so. Um, um, by just uh, uh, focusing on the customer needs, right? So, if there's a particular application where um, not only the development uh, part, but but the um, the need is for a particular type of output, uh, we could easily customized, right? So we are not under the impression or the illusion that we're gonna beat all the uh, bigger competitors and that our models are gonna outperform everything. Uh, No, but uh, what we can do and we we are focusing is, um, and and being very, very uh, razor focused on the use case, on the domain, and then producing models that are gonna outperform uh, out-of-the-box solutions in in those particular domains while preserving the data. So it's easier for uh, our customers to just um, coming from that uh, uh, understanding of of how we handle internally our data, they say like, of course, so so there's a problem, here's our data, Uh, get us our our model, and and we move move much faster than uh, having to do um, this whole uh, process step by step or even with out-of-the-box solutions.
0: Hmm, interesting got andrea stange 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 Stange, i don't mispronounce that apologies very interesting discussion chaps thanks for the event you're very welcome thanks for tuning in um so where did it start then you mentioned speech recognition for kind of like taking voice and translating it to text on websites and and stuff like that is that where it began did it begin with speech recognition i wonder if you can talk us through the evolution of where it came from and, and how it's evolved yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, actually, it started all with speech recognition. So um, that's what I was most uh, most familiarized with um, uh, due to my uh, previous experience at Alexa. And um, I knew that it, um, I mean, naively, I thought like, of course, we can just get a prototype in a couple of months and then replace whatever our current service was, right? So our, our current provider was. Um, that came out of the frustration of, of, of the long development cycles. uh, I mean, um, without any, uh, like not saying that uh, the the vendor was particularly terrible, it's just that uh, that customization or that actually uh, development cycle of, okay, so we found these errors and just um, the role of of, of us internally would just be limited to finding errors and dropping uh, and then, uh, you know, expecting for something to happen and then you know, mm-hmm. like making some pressure and aligning and, and, and so on. And and that to me was a bit uh, too painful to <laughs> endure. So I just came with that proposal. Why don't we take uh, matters in our own hands? And the, I mean, the, the, the proposal, I remember it was like four years ago, but it, it, it feels like yesterday. Uh, or the, 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 the USPs were like, okay, so um, even if it does not outperform what we currently have, uh, that also provides us leverage to actually uh get uh, better results, faster results from our current providers, which is not only one, but many, depending mm. on the application, because uh, as you mentioned, Deutsche Telekom is a huge company. So there's like whatever service provider there is, uh, there's one group that is using it. So um so yeah so uh, the 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 good um the good part of it is that it will provide us a bit more understanding of of also um, uh, it was advantageous for for the providers because we could have like an uh, easier conversation by saying like okay um, certain errors are easier to fix than others and sometimes uh, probably our lack of common context uh, would prevent us from from understanding why some errors were more difficult than others while having uh, an own model will um, w- uh, made, made it easier to compare apples to apples so so that's that was how it all started. So just um, uh, self train uh, model for German. Um, the, the the initial use case was for for um, 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 customer service and, and uh, hotlines. and And the other advantage was that um, uh, the most of the models back then um, were just trained for uh, high quality. Uh, Uh, resolution in terms of speech right so we're talking about like high high sampling rate like eight kilohertz or or higher 16 kilohertz um sorry not 16 kilohertz or higher and and and, um some of the codecs for for the line for the hotline because it had to to uh, basically um support uh all the legacy technologies like like copper lines and so on um most more more often than not were uh, like the recordings uh, or even the interactions were uh, coded in MULA, which is kind of like the, uh, the lowest quality there is. So the models the, uh, were having very difficult time, like, uh, uh, parsing that. Um, and that was another uh, uh, another problem to solve with, with uh, our own models. And basically, it grew from, from that initial uh, prototype to the point of, okay, so there's something to it. Um, uh, let's build a platform around it to, to provide the scale that we need in all our, our services. And and yeah, so that's that's what kick started.
0: (laughs) Interesting. So then what happened next? It moved into NLU presumably to try and classify some of the text that you were receiving.
1: Correct. Yeah. So um yeah, the next logical step was of course NLU. Uh because most applications were okay, so yeah, I mean it's good and all that you get the text, but I mean there uh, yeah, there were a lot of, of problems with that because it's normalization and so on so it's it's not just that you could just simply uh, use the text for for most applications you also need to have this component of what to do right so so if ASR is important is to the extent of um understanding uh, the, the the utterance right so not just reading it there's uh, if for reading you anyways need a human reading text right so and right so I'm, I'm touching on that and that aspect actually <laughs> um, kind of accidentally um, our, our our other purpose was not actually to replace any kind of our agents. so that's something that we uh, also have to be very, very clear and upfront about it. So mm. while um some of the platforms and services uh, that's that's kind of their pitch, right? So uh, yeah, reduce your cost center uh, cost and and whatnot um our idea our pitch was more in in enhancing, right? so that the same people could could provide service to more uh and, and uh, to, to more customers and then the waiting lines will be lower uh, and so on so our target was never or our main kpis were never in terms of like uh, um reducing the, the 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 number of agents but like uh, increasing their their capacities providing them superpowers basically so
0: yeah yeah most call centers these days are just generally overworked anyway aren't they and and you know there's no chance of a bot coming through in any any time soon and and replacing it's more a case of helping manage the inevitable demand that 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 call centers are facing kind of thing um it's interesting so so what kind of use cases are are, is this platform covering then it sounds it sounds as though there is like um you've got this kind of modularization of it whereby if a business unit needs to use the speech capabilities, it can use that. If another unit needs to use the, the speech plus the NLU, it can use that. Maybe a, another one wants to build some kind of like conversational use cases. And so you kind of like, you know, use the dialogue management as well as the, the um, TTS and stuff like that. So what kind of use cases is all of this stuff supporting at the moment throughout the organization?
1: several use cases so one of the most uh, probably uh in the interest of of something different as opposed to yeah regular uh, chat bots is um like a a panel for for um our finance unit which uh would have access to all the kpis and all the legalese and that's actually another <laughs> part that was uh, particularly challenging about the model right understanding uh, legal terms uh, financial terms it's, its it's quite challenging for for humans uh, let alone for models so um, then they have their own uh, uh, mixture of English German words that are kind of like <laughs> um, yeah weird or, or, or even uh, it makes no sense in in either language it's kind of like a <laughs> telecom <laughs> a, a, a term and 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 that actually um, was the, the the sort of the use case is actually to to for, for, for the user to just um Say like, uh, I need this particular KPI or three letter acronym, which in big uh, corporations is kind of like <laughs> the credence. And um, and, and instead of, of, of digging into this dashboard, which uh, all the columns and menus and whatnot and tables, uh, we just kind of understand and parse that and say like, here is the information you need. And if you need more, I will store that context uh, just for you to retrieve it afterwards, right? So things like, what was the revenue? that particular time period and um, that was another challenge right uh, recognizing accurately the time period because it's also can be expressed in, in different ways and and uh once it got to that panel so it was a combination so it was a um a spoken output was not necessary because uh, um the, the the combination of the visual and the and the and the input and even the mouse and so on uh, actually uh, Made the, the experience complete. It's not that that the voice part replaced the text or that the the dashboard or the, the or whatever it was working already. It was that it just made it more accessible, and and that that was a very uh, interesting use case that we we had uh, in the past. So it came with a lot of challenges, interconnecting uh, databases and so on uh, for for the knowledge graph internally and and understanding that uh, as a basis of uh, of uh, of knowledge graph. Um, that was uh, one of the uh, the interesting projects I would say.
0: Mm, interesting it's something that you, it's becoming to be something that's more spoken about and, and we're seeing a little bit more of those but those internal use cases are a lot less common um, but still tremendously valuable because people internally have the same problems as customers which is that accessing information finding stuff and getting things done is uh, they expect the same level of, sort of convenience as customers do when using any kind of software isn't it?
1: Absolutely and um i came to appreciate both sides of the of the corner right so so the V 2 c products uh, i mean on the one hand you get like a lot of scale and a lot of interesting use cases uh, and a lot of edge cases as well so things that are just particular for d1 person or <laughs> a couple of of individuals uh, but um, but the thing that you can sort of, um, for good or evil, is prioritize and say like, okay, here is the boundary, and any specific edge case requests that do not exceed this threshold in terms of demand or whatever KPI it is, they are just not going to see the light. You know, that's just the reality of things. Um, whereas in B2B, it's more like, okay, any little huge, <laughs> like, like, uh, edge case or, or, or individual functionality that that will provide value in a particular perspective has to be implemented. The question is just when. Right? So mm. it's a bit harder to just <clears throat> decline functionality or not uh, customize it. And, and, and the, the conversations and the alignment, it, it, it's a bit more um, personal, right? So you normally, as a developer of, a, of an AI service for B2C, you don't go and talk to the customers and say like, ah, how do you like your uh, Siri model today, right? So it's, of course, in, indirectly you do, but more in aggregation than actually um, uh, if you were to say, yeah, I mean, I tried it today and this particular thing didn't work. And that already um, enables you this fast iteration uh, cycle to 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 fix it, correct it, to enhance it, or even uh, is is the feeder of some of the ideas for our next uh, services. That say like, oh, okay, that this there's a lot of like this application uh, needs something like that, and this other something similar, and then just combine the idea and and make something reusable. That's kind of uh, how we've been operating.
0: It's mm, interesting. <clears throat> Having that speed and control is definitely. Uh, a definite value add if you've got the resources internally to be able to you know build out those use cases using your own technology that you kind of control you've got a lot more control uh, um, and flexibility over the kind of experience that you that you can provide when you when you're talking about you know taking this capability i'm assuming it's also running you know powering use cases around you know call center automation and stuff like that is it
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so when you take this, this, um, this, this capability, and you're you're kind of like getting to the point where, you, as you mentioned at the top of the show, you're kind of on the verge of potentially releasing this out into, you know, the the public sphere, so to speak. The public sphere, as it is and the market for conversational technology, has obviously expanded heavily, and and there's been lots of funding put into this uh, industry and the platforms, and Gartner has now kind of twigged onto the the value of these platforms with its recent enterprise conversational AI Magic Quadrant report. Um, How would you explain to a potential technology buyer that maybe has the Gartner Magic Quadrant report in hand, looking at Cograji, Core AI, One Reach, OpenStream, Boost—you know, Avamo, a bunch of these others. How would you kind of explain what's different about what you've built to somebody who is coming from the outside, potentially wanting to use this technology?
1: Oh, that's, that's a very good question. I mean, I guess um, um, could could be. Uh, I mean, like. Uh, the, the existence, right? So it's I find it uh, much harder uh, explain something that it's uh, like you're the first users, right? So, I mean, we didn't have that particular experience at Alexa because they joined in 2016. So there mm-hmm. was the, the the launch in 2014 of, of Alexa. So it was easier, but still plenty of people didn't actually uh, uh, knew the product, right? So it's it's harder to, to simulate, okay, the, how do you explain it, right? So it's like uh, explaining um, radio, television to somebody who has never that experience right mm-hmm. but in our case we have already that uh, um background to to compare and and to 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 take as a as a yes yeah, a comparison but uh, it's it's more about explaining the differences because naturally now that people and that, that this uh, conversational revolution has like uh, taken over industry and several industries um it's more about the uh, okay but how are you different to X, Y, and Z, right? So, so we have to focus more on those type of questions rather than uh, what is it that you do, right? So if it's like, mm. yeah, ASR, people now understand that even the acronym, right? So when I started the field, that you say ASR and just like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> spatial recognition, and then you say like, ah, oh, yeah, you, you you recognize the voice. It's like, no, no, not really. So it's mm-hmm. recognizing the text within the voice. And yeah, so, so these kind of things uh, um, uh, and technologies work completely um, uh, Unconceivable to some extent to people who weren't uh, deeply involved or in, the, in that technical field, and now it's more about uh, how is it different to X, how is it different to Y, um, in terms of business models, in terms of, of, of uh, the data protection, in terms of, and and a lot of times uh, uh, people haven't considered those those aspects, right? So there's data serenity, then people say like, well, what is it? Why, why is that important? Mm-hmm. And 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 having that that kind of uh, experience of how this is this is more our approach of how do we explain. Uh, Yeah, yeah, the product,
0: the platform. Yeah, I think the data sovereignty is a really is a really good angle to kind of to go with because you know most of these, although some of them will offer like an on-prem solution or you know host it in your own cloud and stuff like that a lot of them do, they are kind of like hosted and managed, not necessarily managed in all cases, but definitely hosted with the provider, so to speak. So I wonder whether you can kind of talk us through what your approach has been to, to data privacy and security. Obviously, you've got a lot of people calling your call center, talking with their audio that's being fed into your models and then text has been fed into your NLU. And there's a whole load of data being captured. What's your approach to the security of of the data? Uh, side of things
1: right so I mean um, yeah we could have a whole podcast about all this uh, <laughs> little um, uh, safeguards that we have but um, I would say that of course uh, we base our own um, um design of how to process data on on our uh, internal regulations and gdpr and so on so for example we uh, one of the basic principles was uh, preparing for this <clears throat> um right to be forgotten or, or or um explicitly from one customer saying like you know what erase everything that has to do with me or my voice or, or whatnot right at the same time it's a challenge because one, it's a bit um, initially i found it a bit contradictory i now understand that there's uh, uh, an uh, a good um, um compromise in between but like how do i erase your voice at the same time while i don't want to actually store anything uh, that i don't need to store about you right so um so so acquiring so the 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 files about like uh, you for example kane and i will have to store your name but that's that's information that it's not strictly necessary i don't really need uh your name as, as the user of the voice to train my models and to improve my models right but at the same time i do need to know in case you say like you know what uh, i don't want the, my data to do anything with the model anymore then uh how would i uh, and i cannot listen to the recordings right so it's 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 a it's, uh, it's uh, a bit of uh, problematic but um what we did was uh, uh provide um of course um, uh, um user ids that were uh, uh, a little bit like hash, the sort of like passwords, and and then uh, associate that to the user ID that were uh, coming from the application, and and the boundary of the, the PII remains at the application and the request we get from the application that okay user that hash, once uh, all the data uh, erased, and and the storage that we that we have um, uh, is is is, uh, is so it has a table where okay so all the all the hash users then. Uh, um, could be uh, <clears throat> used as, as the as the key to to delete all the uh, all those files in, in in batch. So that's one of the things that 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 um, that we uh, did to 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 provide this kind of um, compliance uh, uh, by design. Um, another thing was, uh, of course, um, um, in terms of, of of the the time that we actually are able to store the particular utterances or uh, verify utterances. So um, all data sets, all, all the uh, um, data points, utterances are, are uh, encrypted and we rotate the keys and so on. So it's a standard um, common best practices. Um, uh, but but one uh, thing on top is this: the fact that we um, try to first um, uh, this, get a good uh, distribution of, of the use case. That's why we, we, we focus a lot. Before we, st- we start storing data, we focus on on having a good alignment with the uh, potential um, uh, user or application and what are the uh, relevant um, use cases? What is the, the domain? What is the scope of, of the application? And we focus on, on getting, for example, uh, for the speech recognizer, if it's used, um, a, a dictionary of, of the words that uh, will be used, right? So, of course, it's not just strictly about the words it we be use because it's it's hard to say right. So uh, you also have like this um, uh, free will kind of component that uh, you cannot predict what how exactly customers or, or or your users are gonna are gonna say what they want to say right, and that's part of the challenge. Uh, but for the better part, like things that, that that we focus more. So so for example, in the finance, but um, um, we had a particular pre-requirement of what type of data we wanted for the model to perform to, to acceptable levels. And um, all the, uh, the information that, that, that came on top from that threshold uh, was no longer required, right? So, so that's, that's something that, um, um, that, uh, that we uh, get to do once. I mean, the, the initial um, um, uh, planning, it's a bit uh, time consuming and, and sometimes um, uh, it, it can actually uh, take a couple of, of months, But uh, it pays off once uh, uh, the customer understands, okay, this is the purpose. It's not that we just want to say no or or to delay your your deadline. Uh, But it's mostly that um, all these things have to be a big thing. So all these considerations, how much is too much data? Um, How much is too little data? Uh, If it's too little data, what kind of data we actually need, right? So without having to um, to be very invasive and um, and also we have uh, uh, the, because it's, it's a, a separated service uh, all the services uh, uh, are distributed in a service mesh and, and the, the proxy for those uh, services um, have authentication baked in. so for example, if um, the application comes with a user uh, hash cane so it's like XYz blah blah. Mm-hmm and your preference as metadata and the scope of that of that token is, uh, I don't want my data to be stored, then that will automatically bypass that. So it's not that it gets stored as anything else and then erase. No, it, it, it's never stored, right? So so those type of, of, of things are what allow us to, to now that that, that <laughs> run work is, is is done, allow us to go much faster. Initially, it was what uh, held us a bit back, and there was... Uh, yeah, uh, we sometimes wanted to make a bit more compromises, but uh, we knew that you and I knew that 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 was important to get straight from from the get go.
0: Mm. it's interesting that I mean, there's so many layers of security that you just mentioned there, which is, you know, especially in Europe with GDPR and stuff like that. I think they will having all of those different features and all of that kind of like robust kind of like features. I think is a is a definite. Good shout because you know if if you when you if and when you do release this you know into um certainly as i said in europe and the uk um yeah that's that's the hot question that everyone has is you know what do we do about gdpr where does the data go how do we store it how do we delete it how do people opt out all that kind of stuff is um something that doesn't really get spoken about enough i don't think um in the terms of talking about this kind of technology, but is is an absolute deal breaker or will be um, interesting. So when we spoke beforehand, you were also mentioning uh, some other kind of innovations that you've been working on outside of, aside from security, which is around um, kind of like semantic search capabilities and stuff like that. I'm wondering if you can shed some light on, on how that looks.
1: Right. Um, yeah, so uh, just to close the topic on, on security, I think that uh, that's a very important point you mentioned, right? So if you get the product and then, as an afterthought, <laughs> want to be compliant. That's much harder than if you in advance, right? So that's why it's. Uh, yeah, I, I don't regret that we took that that extra path. So, um, but yeah, coming to, to semantics, sir. So, um, as I mentioned, the 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 platform it's it's growing organically. So once we have like the archetype of, of what a service should include, so so it's it's like a. Um, uh, a service is, is, is comprised of, of the of the AI part if you will and the and the software part that that uh, that surrounds that model to serve it right so that 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 server uh, has this functionality that I mentioned about like knows how to forward a particular request not back to to the source but maybe to the next attack like to concatenate to different services um, and and things like that so um, And um, regarding semantic search is something that um, we consolidate from different ideas that that before uh, we were involved in in, in getting these one-offs for um, for example, for the finance, but it has its own own knowledge graph, but uh, we didn't have uh, not um, uh, the the, the permission to actually reuse those terms because of course they were very uh, um, uh, specific to finance. And we didn't also have like the the, the chance of of, of uh, indexing the, the the data directly, which would would have made the, the task uh, much uh, easier, because there were well, the actual uh, uh, numbers, right? So and that's always like when it's about numbers and money, it's, it's super sensitive information. So um, so yeah, so so those those things were kind of like uh, constraints, but gave us the experience of if we were to build a, um, a general service. Um, for, for different applications to to sort of uh, as a basis for for that uh, semantic search capability, uh, how would that look like? And that's that's what got us into into creating now uh, a general purpose uh, semantic search, which uh, has this um, offline component of indexing the data sources, and it uses. Um, uh, uh, um, a neural model to to process the queries, which is also uh, um, we we get, we, get, we got the experience from the NLU of understanding the chatbots in the particular language and what are the edge cases and what are the uh, best models or pre trained models, uh, and, and and we incorporate that uh, experience into into the processing part, so the query part of the of the whole uh, pipeline, and um, and yeah, so that uh, uh, we haven't released it yet, but we're working on it, and 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 it's uh, yeah it's been it's been quite exciting, so. Uh, I'm sorry, so I, I just gave for granted that everybody was familiarized with uh, uh-huh. what semantic search was, so it would have probably been useful to uh, to start. So um, semantic search is, is the problem of, of retrieving information, right? So it's also called, called uh, information retrieval. And um, the neural part of it is is like in the, in the traditional sense, uh, as in the neural part, so, so um, uh, it's called symbolic versus neural. Um, the, the the process is the same as just what what is the the the, um, uh, the the point of the process right so um, it is one 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 part is indexing all the information where you want to query from the other point is is how to process the query from the customer and then the the matching uh, algorithm to to find the indexes or to match the indexes with the query right so indexes very much in the sense of, of books, right? So it's just like a key that, that provides you access to the actual content, right? So, um, and in the neural part, both the indexer and the, and the processor for the query uh, can be, they don't need to be, but can be uh, uh, neural networks, uh, transformers or what have you. And, um, and the algorithm also can be any, anywhere from just cosine similarity to uh, something a bit more complicated. And, and that's, that's what we're currently working on
0: hmm interesting kind of maybe it's a related question from alex dubois here is what we've spoke a lot about data over the course of this conversation uh, either lack of it or using it uh, to build and train models and stuff like that alex is asking what do you use to label and maintain training data is that something proprietary that's built as well or how, how I wonder if you can talk us through your approach and what you use for that
1: um, yeah, that's a very good question. So it depends. So for um, for speech data, uh, because we couldn't just use um, um, external services or cloud services for for labeling the data, we had to come up with our own uh, internal development as well. And then we just ex- extend on it. So um, and nowadays, uh, I mean, we took inspiration in a lot of the tools out there, and believe me, we tested a lot. And, and sometimes we, we found uh, tools that we liked so much that we were a bit angry that we couldn't use them because of that limitation, but it, it helped us uh, also uh, build our own um, uh, labeling tool.
0: Interesting, nice. What would you kind of like after after all your experience of, you know, one? building the the actual technology that's powering these experiences but two being involved in advising the teams that are building these experiences what would you sort of say for those that are you know the proportion of people tuning into this that are going to end up going away and building their own platform is probably slim compared to the proportion of people who are going to utilize a platform to build something what would your kind of like key lessons or takeaways be from from, from you know, if you put your advisory hat on thinking about the way that teams go about designing and developing these solutions, what do you think are some of the kind of like key lessons or takeaways that you would give for people looking to uh, implement these kind of like speech and, and NLU based capabilities?
1: Um, well, first and foremost, uh, understanding the trade off, right? So it's not. Everything uh, we're doing uh, is not everything. Like uh, so, so this build versus make versus buy. So this is this is, um, yeah. So it, it's it's uh, it's quite a, a difficult question to ask. It it depends quite a lot on the context, on the on the long term view, right? So if, if if right now things look very, uh, I don't know, like uh, in favor of a particular path, uh, you you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, so what is the roadmap of of this? For, for instance, if you you are uh, uh, favoring your own development because currently the solutions uh, do not provide you what you need, you have to ask yourself whether eventually they will or whether they will be the demand or even why is it that you actually want it right? So um, so there's there's a, this, this this point that is the total cost of ownership that it's it's, it's, uh, it's at the forefront of any kind of development AI related or not. And it, it extends to, to not only uh, the cost of developing and getting something out of the gate but also maintaining and also um, having a concrete plan of, of, of how to eventually discontinue the platform or the services that you're offering and how to do that and, and how, how much buffer are you actually allowing yourself to do that in case that worse comes the worst and you are run out of customers or, or or your problem gets solved or your problem is no longer relevant, right? So um, asking like spending a lot of time in, in this in these first questions I think is imperative and once you decided that yes, it makes sense, uh, makes um, of course. So there's a technical, the te- technical feasibility, the, the to see if, if you got uh, the skill set, the people. The uh, it's not so easy. I mean, of course, no, nowadays it's a bit uh, uh, a paradox, right? So uh, technology and TensorFlow and whatnot and pre-trained models have allowed a lot of people, like like the the entry barrier has lowered quite a lot. But that's just. In terms of development, in terms of prototyping, in terms of of, of, of making proof of concepts uh, concepts, and also uh, probably uh, uh, for research and academia. So th- for those purposes, obviously that's 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 the best you can do. Um, <clears throat> but the big um, bottleneck or the the, the place where. Um, Maybe ninety percent of these prototypes never see the light. Is how do you're gonna how are you gonna turn this this idea this this prototype this proof of concept into an actual product that stands on its own feet and it doesn't require ongoing uh, budget from from innovation or from whatever just to, to 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 stand on its own feet, right? So that's it's very hard because also the business model um, more often than not don't make sense and if you don't have the Operational skills, operational excellence, or the team to actually provide that—it's really hard to to, to find this uh, niche or, or customers or, or competitiveness or uh, USP. So those things play all a role in this in this uh, uh, in these formulations, right? So it's not only understanding the problem, the context, uh, but also okay. So if you already decided, yes, uh, I want to do that for X, Y, and Z reasons, and it it makes sense. There's uh, technical feasibility. It's going to provide value. And, and, um, and we have certain restraints that, 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 that favor our uh, own development, um, the, the, the important question is, how are you gonna be able to execute, right? So it's not so different like in the startup world where, of course, the idea might be brilliant, but uh, if you need uh, more than, you know, like if you, if you need more money to, to, uh, to, to solve a problem that not a lot of people care about, then there's that's this kind of gaps and disparity initially might be compensated with um, uh, funding or, or, or even scale or or, um, uh, or all these uh, kind of metrics that I'm kind of like, uh, probably not the best person to talk about those. Uh, but but I think that from, from what I read and from what I've uh, uh, exchanged with, with um, uh, friends that, that are um, uh, working at startups or having startups themselves, um, it's very similar, right? So you have like, when you create such a project that it's always gonna be, facing this first competition, internal and external, that, uh, okay, why didn't you use, why do not you give up, why didn't you use that uh, service? You know, like they have like an army of people like you, why is it that you want so badly to do it, right? So um, you have to have that very clear in mind and, and actually, um, um, yeah, force yourself to say no to a lot of things that might look so brilliant and so cool and, and um, but uh, focus, right? So so be focused, that's, that's kind of like uh, my keywords there.
0: Mm. Nice, nice. Wicked. Well, Angel, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. When, when can we potentially expect to see something if we do and how? what's the best way for people to, to reach out and learn a bit more?
1: Well, on the same <laughs> um, um, line of thought, right? So about about uh, uh, deadlines, I think that the easiest way to kill a very uh, stressful project is to give a, a unreasonable deadline. So I wouldn't <laughs> venture myself to say like, yeah, wait for Q three or whatever. Uh, it will have to come from from organic uh, demand. So most likely, it's not going to be uh, publicly released and mega advertised. Uh, I don't think it makes sense uh, to 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 get into into that mm-hmm. but um but, but it's mostly uh the the collaboration we have with external customers that 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 um allow us to 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 get to that stage and if their customers line up for that um, it's gonna be through those channels and not so much like a big splash into yeah try out the new latest <laughs> uh, yeah. telecom platform so
0: cool cool Sounds good. Well, I look forward to it anyway. Um, Angel, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll speak speak very soon. Thank you, everyone, for for uh, joining us as well. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Alex and Andreas, for your comments and questions. Thank you, Taras. Uh, and, uh, yeah, please do join us for the webinar next week with Deepgram. The links, again, are in the show notes and in the chats here. And the webinar at the end of the month with audio codes. Please do join us for that as well. Um, until next time, see you later.
1: Thank you. Have a nice one. Bye. Cheers.